So, Brother Greg, Jermaine, however you guys want to go today, man, this is this is your time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, praise God. How many of you are already glad that you came to church this morning? My goodness. Well, as Pastor Steve uh, mentioned, my name is Brother Greg White. This is my wife over here. Isn't she lovely? Jermina. And we're so excited to be here today. Um, this has really been in the works for quite some time, and the Lord has just worked it out. Uh, praise God for us to be here today. And uh, I believe that you're here because God has ordained or ordered your steps to be here today. And I believe that there is something specific that he has for you and I. Um, that we're going to get in this service today. Amen. Um, your pastors, Pastor Steve and Pastor Kimberly, they're so precious. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, they're such precious people, and their compassion and their, uh, for the things of God and for the people of God is just cannot be overstated. So thankful for you guys, and it's such a blessing to have us here today and to be with you guys and your church family. Um, it's going to be good. Amen. I do want to mention this. I do have some family that was able to come out today. That's my mom right there. You know, see that young lady? Yeah, with her hand raised. Isn't she beautiful? My sister-in-law, my nephew, and my other nephew and his, and his wife there, but I think he took the baby out. But so thankful for them being here today. Um, I mean, babe, you want to come up for a second? Um, is I, I like to have my wife uh, share just a few minutes before we get started today. And before you close, I would like you to pray for the service, the people that are here, and pray for me. Can you do that? You guys know this is okay. Okay, thank you for my old mic. You know how he said just a few minutes? That's a big hint. Because if you were here yesterday, you know it takes a little bit to shut me down. <laughs> oh, stay with me, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what I'm going to share, I think I need you with me. Um, there, have been, there are two things on my heart I really want to share, and Pastor Steve did mention my legs were really shaking, um, because the second thing that I want to share is a little bit of my testimony. And there are times I get really nervous about sharing it. Um, I'm not going to go all the way in depth about it, but just one particular aspect of it. But for those of us that are pretty seasoned, um, before I get into my testimony, I want to say this. I acknowledge Pastor Steve and Pastor Kim, and I thank you so much for having us here. We're so delighted and honored to be with you today. We do miss our church home. We do miss Pastor Aaron, and we do miss Pastor Aaron Cody. And I mean, what I'm about to say about my pastors, you should be saying about your pastors. I believe that we have the best pastors in Pastor Aaron and Aaron Cody, and that should be your same confession that you have the best pastors here, right? Because they're the best, and they're perfect for you, right? So we miss our church this morning, but we're so happy to be with family, spiritual family, but also natural family, because Pastor Steve is Pastor Aaron's uncle. So it's all family. Amen? Um, but I want to share just this little quote. Um, it's not a little quote, but it's an entire paragraph that I shared yesterday regarding prayer. And I just want to encourage you with that, because what it's going to say, what it says is that, you know, as um, moms and dads, as grandparents, when you go on to heaven, you want to leave a rich inheritance for your kids. You want to leave something for them. And most of the times we think it's monetary, and that is good. That's a good help, right? But what we're going to find out is the best legacy and the best heritage you can leave for your family is a life of prayer. Because after you're gone, after your body ceases to exist, your prayers will still live on in your children and in your grandchildren. So this is a quote by E.M. Bounds. I love E.M. Bounds. I love any of the old school teachers, preachers that are already in heaven and have paved the way for us, right? So I'm going to take my time really carefully to read. So if you just open your ears and open your hearts and kind of listen, and if you want to take some notes, you can do that too. And it begins, prayer puts God, God in full force in the world. To a prayerful man, God is present in realized force. The man who has prayed many acceptable prayers has done the truest and greatest service to the incoming generation. To a prayerful church, God is present in glorious power. The prayers of God's saints strengthen the unborn generation against the desolating waves of sin and evil. Woe to the generation of sons who find their own senses empty of the rich incense of prayer 
whose fathers have been too busy or too unbelieving to pray, and who have inexpressible perils and untold consequences for their heritage. They whose fathers and mothers have left them a wealthy legacy. So as a little girl, I was abused, right? By family members who were supposed to be my caretakers, you know? And so you know, um, for a child to be um, exposed to something like that or to experience molestation or to experience abuse like that, it affects you a whole lot, right? It, ex it affects your soul, it affects your thinking, it affects your confidence and how you think about yourself. It even affects the decisions that you make in life. So even as an adult, because of my exposure to such abuse, I didn't make some healthy, I didn't make very healthy decisions, which resulted in me having three abortions. Again, we have family members here today who probably don't know that about me. Because there are times you may see somebody up here and they're ministering, or you may see a man or a woman of God or somebody, and you're like, man, you know, when I get it together, I'm going to serve God because they really got it together. But we didn't always got it together. And we still don't got it together. It's God is still working on us. You know, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, you know, like I said, I, did, I made some unwise decisions. And I'll say this one thing to the body of Christ, to Christians. I know many times we mean well. I know many times we have good intentions. But I'll tell you, the times when I was walking up to that abortion clinic and there were so-called Christians out there, I felt zero love. All I heard were accusations. All I heard was condemnation. All I heard was judgment. And all I heard was screaming and yelling at me. So in a moment in my life when I'm feeling broken and I'm feeling lost and I'm feeling confused, I felt no love from the Christians. And you go into the clinic and it's cold in there. It's cold emotionally. The AC is kicked up. It's really cold. Nobody makes eye contact with you. There's no hug. There's no holding of your hand through the pain. There's no talking you through it. Right? It's just cold. You're not allowed to look at the monitors because if you get a glimpse of the, you know, you may make contact with the baby or have an emotional attachment. So it's pretty cold. So those are the things, that's part of, you know, my testimony that I, I went through that. So we fast forward now, I'm living my life for the Lord. I'm married, and I want to have a baby, but I can't have a baby. I'm believing God, I'm standing on his word, you know, declaring, making my confessions, speaking over my body, doing everything that I know that I should do, going to the doctors, and they're doing tests and doing blood work, and my numbers look right, everything looks fine, I'm just not getting pregnant. And there are many different things that, went, that happened throughout the course of the nine years. I know one time I actually had to obey the Holy Spirit and decide that I was going to forgive the people who harmed me. Because for years, you know, you carry that hurt, you carry that anger, you carry all of that inside of you, and that can block your prayers. What they did to me, it was wrong. It was absolutely horrible. It was wrong. But holding on forgiveness was wrong. And it was hurting me. Right? I think I, it was Joyce Myers who said it like that. Unforgiveness is like drinking a glass of poison and expecting them to be hurt. But you're feeling the effects of the poison. So my prayers were hindered. So I decided, instead of thinking of ways that I could harm them, that I was going to forgive. That wasn't the hard part. I was able to forgive. Then I had to ask my babies. <laughs> for forgiveness. Okay. That's why I didn't want to answer. But I believe that just sharing this today is going to help somebody. I really do. I really do because it was not my intention. And Holy Spirit led me through and I asked him to forgive me. The hardest part came when I had to forgive myself. It took me a matter of minutes to, man, I'm getting a whole bunch of Kleenex. <laughs> you need some to them? Okay. Um, 
there is a joy side to this, okay? And so um, I was able to forgive them, and I was able to make it through and ask, you know, go ask my babies to forgive me. It took me two days to get the words out to say to myself, I forgive you. I forgive you. There are many of us sitting here in this room today, and we love Jesus, and we've done some things in our past, right? We haven't always been perfect, and we're still not perfect, you know? And you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive you. Look in the mirror and say, I forgive you. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the redemption that we have through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so I eventually did that. I was able to forgive myself. Right? And so we go on and we're trying to have kids and doing everything that we're supposed to do. And um, finally, I decided to go the medical route. So I took the first round of medicine. And actually that year, my family was there for Thanksgiving. They were right there. They were there for Thanksgiving. Because that medicine used to make me very sleepy. Very, very, very sleepy. And the first round of medicine, it did not work. And I remember being in church one Sunday. I was Pastor Aaron Cody's armor bearer that Sunday. And I remember when I realized that I wasn't pregnant. And so normally we stay with them after church. You know, we have lunch with them. But I was so broken. I was so distraught. I was so hurt because I just knew it was going to work this time. And so I just went home. Greg stayed. And I went home and I laid on the bed and I just screamed. And I began to talk to God and all, everything just came out. I'm like, Lord, I love you. I've given you my entire life. I give my life to ministry. If this is not for me, then it's fine. I'll give you a thousand percent of all that I am. If ministry is what I have to do, that's what I'm going to do. You know it. You know, but I have believed. I've stood on your word. I remember, Lord, when you told me to stop believing, because many times we're like, I'm believing God, which is ING. ING means it's a continual believing. But he said, stop believing and just believe. Drop the ING and just believe. And I remember laying in the bed, and then Greg came home, and he says, baby, we stagger not at the promises of God. And I wanted to punch him in his face. True story. True story. Because I'm like, you enjoying this process? Yeah. You know? And um, so all of these negative pregnancy tests. But something happened, and I was telling um, Pastor Kim this when we were um, talking the other night. You know, there is the spirit of faith. And there's also the gift of faith. But something happened that night after my talking to God and my crying out to God and Gregory enforcing that faith that we do not stagger at the promises of God. That's a promise he made to us. That's something he told us. And I woke up the next morning and there was zero evidence that I was pregnant. In fact, the evidence showed that I was not pregnant. If you all know what I mean, there's no evidence. I'm not pregnant. But I knew I was pregnant. Something in my spirit was just so convinced that I was pregnant. Natural evidence showed that I was not. Ladies, you know what I mean? But in my spirit, I was pregnant. I just knew it. I just knew it. The ING, I had dropped the ING and suddenly I, had, I would just believe I am pregnant and I knew it. And it was a Monday morning and I went to, I went to school. No, I went to work. I worked for Mark Hankins Ministries at the time. And sorry, Pastor Mark, I didn't go straight to work, but I went on Amazon.com. And then what I did is that I began to order baby clothes. I ordered the outfit that I was going to bring my baby girl home in. I ordered her socks and I ordered her shoes because I knew I was pregnant. I knew it. And so if you've taken many negative pregnancy tests, you know taking any pregnancy. Now, when she says many, we're not talking about 10. We're talking about nine years every month. In fact, I told her at one point, I said, you know what? We should just buy stock in pregnancy tests. We would have been rich. And at one point, it got to the, I said, you know, we need to stop buying those ones that, you know, that don't, that didn't have words on it. The Dollar Tree. The Dollar Tree one. No, let's not get those. They ain't working. Oh, praise God. And it's, it really matters your, your spiritual relationships. It really matters who's praying with you. It really matters who your pastors are. It really matters your supernatural connections. 
right? Because I was believing God for a baby, but honestly, the entire church was believing God for a baby for me. Pastors Aaron, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Aaron Cody, Darcy, all of the staff was with me, you know. And so there was one Wednesday, we were in church. I was Pastor Aaron Cody's armor bearer again. She's my friend and she's my pastor. And um, sitting on the front and we're having worship. And Lord, I just began to laugh. I just got so full of joy. But then I began to cry. I had joy and, and like flowing out of me and I had tears just pouring out of, my, out of my eyes. And it was such a confusing feeling, but it was such a good feeling. It was such a wonderful feeling. And they actually had to escort me out a little bit because it was really hard to get it together. But when I was finally able to get my words to articulate what I was feeling, I was able to tell them what I was seeing. Do you remember my testimony? Remember what happened to me? God was showing me that he had made my insights brand new. Everything in me, he had made it brand new. We fast forward one week later, another Wednesday, and um, I had promised God that I wasn't going to take any pregnancy tests, okay? I was going to wait until a particular day, and I was going to take the pregnancy test then. And I'm at work, <laughs> and I had somebody sneak out and go buy me a pregnancy test. They brought it in, but then it malfunctioned. I'm like, goodness gracious. The cheap ones. So then I, I decided I'm going to sneak out myself then because she can't do the job right. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get a good one, right? The one that says pregnant, not pregnant. Okay. Now my family is here and this might be a little bit emotional, but I got to tell you this. Years before that, on December 17th, <laughs> my father-in-law went to heaven. And I remember when he went to heaven... I was like, God, please make me pregnant just so I could ease the pain for Greg. Just so I could ease the pain. And I wasn't pregnant, of course. But now, that day that I'm talking about, I go to Walgreens and I get the expensive pregnancy test. The one that's going to spell it out. Not the lines, the words. <laughs> and I go get it. And I go into the bathroom stall, and I'm, I mean, I'm, pretty, I'm very nervous because I don't want anybody walking in there because if they walk in there, then I got some explaining to do. <laughs> so, and the, it has a little timer, y'all, because the expensive ones have a little timer, you know. And I'm in and out, I'm in and out, and I kept on going. And about the third time when I went in, I looked down, and it said pregnant. And I lost, like, feelings, and my body went numb. After years of negative pregnancy tests, and you see this positive you can imagine the weight. So I quickly grabbed it and put it in my purse and I'm running out of the door to go to Greg's office. But then my mind began to play tricks on me. Well, did it say pregnant or not pregnant? And I'm like, well, I thought, well, okay, hold on. And I'm trying to find a pregnancy test in my purse and I can't find it. And finally, I'm like kneeling in the hallway trying to dig it up. And it was in the box where I put it back. And then I said, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And I walked into his office it was December 17th, and I was crying, and he assumed that I was crying because that's the day Papa went to heaven. But I walked in, and I said, I know the memory that today holds for our family, and I've always wanted to change that. And today, I believe that we can, and um, I gave him the pregnancy test. And he will deny this because he has a mic. But he screamed a high-pitched soprano <laughs> scream when he saw the pregnancy test. He screamed. I try to tell my wife that she don't have to give all the details, right? But you see how God is just working everything out so perfectly, so beautifully. And so we kept it. That was Wednesday, December 17th, 2014. And um, December 21st is another day for our family. It's the day that my brother-in-law, Wendy's husband, went to um, heaven. And so that's the day we decided to call them and tell them that we were having an addition to the family. So God is so faithful. Yes. He is so strategic. He is so beautiful. And I wish I had... Like I said, I didn't plan on sharing this, but if I had, I wanted to show you 
an ultrasound picture. Because when I was going through my pregnancy, because of my age, they considered me to be geriatric. So, <laughs> so um, I had to go to a specialist, you know, in Lafayette because of my age and on different things like that. And so the day went, the first time we went in and we were going to find out for sure, because I already believed God for a girl. I knew it was a girl. I already ordered her clothes. It better be a girl. Already had her name. And if it's not a girl, then he's coming home in a girl's clothes. But no. So, but when we went in that day, um, it was, we, we found out it was definitely a girl, but something else. They saw some calcium buildup. And so they said that in, that increased the um the percentage of her being born Down syndrome. And so um, that wasn't good news. And we decided to not share that news. We were going to keep it because sometimes people mean well. They mean well. But, oh, oh sweetie, oh, that is not, that is not, those are not faith statements. We are going to stay in faith. So it matters. It really matters, you know. And um, so we didn't tell um, people. I think maybe just Darcy and Pastor Aaron could, but we didn't tell many people because we didn't want that sympathetic, oh, sweet baby, how you doing? Oh, you poor baby. No, no, no. Ain't nothing poor about me, okay? Because I know who my God is. So we kept that. But I was home one day, and I was having those thoughts in my mind about my baby. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go and get those ultrasound pictures and look at them. Because I have your baby in the palm of my hand. And I'm like, okay. So I went to get the pictures. And a, a couple of um, pictures down, I saw it. And I don't, I, I, it's in my phone right now. I could send it to you guys a little later so you could see. Maybe at the end of service we could show it to you. But the placenta was shaped like a perfect hand. You could actually see the, print, the, the, the thumb and she was just laying in the, in the palm of his hand like this, which is a placenta, but it was shaped like a hand. You could see the outline of all the fingers and the thumb. So throughout this entire thing, when I wasn't feeling it, when it didn't look like it, he was working it out. He was orchestrating it. What the devil meant for evil, he turned around for good. He turned it into something so beautiful. So I don't know what your past is. I don't know what has happened to you. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But in Jesus, everything is brand new. In Christ, all things are made new. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Amen. Hallelujah. Because of what he did on Calvary so long ago, I could stand here today because the blood of Jesus is still the blood of Jesus. It's still working today. There is no shortage. There is no lack of the blood of Jesus. And the word of God, I'm telling you, the word works. The word works. You just have to work it. But the word works. Because he said, my word will not return to me void. But it will accomplish whatever I send it out to do. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. I watch over my word. So are you speaking the word and giving him something to watch over to perform? Because he said, I watch over my word to perform it. And what does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us. Hey, y'all, Jesus is the word. So when you put the word on the case, you put Jesus on the case. And did he return to heaven unaccomplished? No. He did everything he was supposed to do, and he went to heaven. He fulfilled everything he was supposed to fulfill. So I encourage you today, work the word. Amen. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you feel. Be moved only by the word of God. Amen. Are y'all ready to get into the word today? Um, I'll give you a couple of disclaimers. Um, before I get started, I'm a retired veteran, Army guy. So sometimes that comes out uh, in the message a little bit. But don't mind that. Just pay attention to the word and receive the word. Because these are not my words. These are God's word. And I believe that God has a specific word for us today that when we leave this place, we'll be changed by the word. Amen. Amen. So just go ahead and open your hearts right now. I believe that the Lord has already prepared your heart to receive. But open your hearts right now and receive the word of God today as it is in spirit and in truth. My message today, there's some practicalities to it. 
but it all points back to Jesus. So if you want to take notes, the title of the message today is Complete Reformation. Complete Reformation. Amen. I'll tell you another thing about me. Um, I like crowd participation. I like response. So if you don't say anything back to me, I might start talking to myself and encouraging myself. The Bible tells us we can do that, encourage ourselves. But I'm depending on you to encourage me as I minister God's word today. Amen? So let's get started today. Complete Reformation. And I want to preface the message by saying this. Uh, in 1956, there was a well-known doctor. And he was, give, he was doing an interview. And one of the questions that he was asked, this is 1956, we're in 2022. He says, what's wrong with men or people today? And his response after contemplating the question for a moment was this. Men simply don't Yeah, that's what I thought when I read it too. Men simply don't think. And what I mean that by that is this. Today we live in a society that our ancestors looked forward to, they dreamed of, and worked towards for many, many years. But most of the time we, in this day and age, we take it all for granted. I mean, we live in the greatest nation on the planet, the United States of America the most powerful military force around the globe. Just a side note, the thing that's going on in Ukraine and Russia, God's got us. God's got us. But I just believe in the United States of America. I served my country for 23 years, did a tour overseas in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. So I have a special place in my heart for the men and women that are still going overseas and protecting our freedoms and the liberties that we have. But in this day and age, we live in the richest era that has ever existed. Opportunity for everyone, regardless of any natural limitations. You say, why are you telling me that? Because many times you think, well, you know, I'm from this side of the track. So I can't attain this. I can't go this way because my mom was this or my dad was that. Or maybe I didn't have a mom or a dad. Or maybe I don't have the education that some others have. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The maximum effective range of an excuse is zero. But all the opportunities that we have, the failure rate in the United States of America is mind-blowing to me. Because nobody starts out and, they t and plan on failing in life. If you do, then we need to deal with that situation head on. Most people start out and they have ambitions and they have intentions to succeed in whatever it is they do. Whether you graduate high school, you know, go to college, pick a trade, whatever the case may be, your intentions are to be successful at whatever you think it is that you're called to do. But yet so many people fail. So why? Why is that? And it would be a different thing if this only happened in the world, but it also takes place in the church. Why is that? Well, I'll answer that question for you. The primary cause of such devastating failure is this, conformity. Conformity. Now, I'll give you the basic definition of that word conformity. It's to reduce to a likeness or a correspondence in manners, opinions, or moral qualities. The part that stands out to me in that definition is reduce. It reduces you to less than who God has created you to be when you conform to the world system of life versus the God's way of living your life. See, because when you were born, God created you with a purpose and a plan, and he instilled in you everything that you need to accomplish his will for your life on earth. I, heard, I read this quote once uh, by this guy named Rollo May, and he says this. He says, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice, it's conformity. It's conformity. Do y'all have your Bibles today? You can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I'm actually going to read this in the Passion Translation. 
And this is what it says. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation or a reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying, and perfect life in his eyes. I think that's just so beautiful right there. So beautiful. But how do you get to this place of complete or total reformation? Now, that word reform, it literally means to change from worse to better. That's what happened when we give our life to God, right? We give him all of our junk, and he gives us all of his blessing. It means to amend, to correct, to restore to a former good state, or to bring from a bad place to a good place. And it removes that which is corrupt. I'll tell you a story about my daughter, Naraya. She was in here for praise and worship, and she's six years old, and she's a blessing. I mean, she's, she's so talented, so wise, so smart. She's playing the piano nowadays, and, and she's just amazing. But Naraya used to be afraid to go through the drive through car wash. She was just afraid. She was just afraid of it. And so, you know, me as a dad, I'm like, we're going to conquer this fear. I'm not going to let my baby be scared of going through the drive through car wash. And so we were in the car. My, my wife was there. And this was before um, the baby, Asher, came along. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, let's, we're going to drive through the car wash today. And so we get there, and I'm getting ready to pay to go through. And she starts freaking out, crying. No, Daddy, no, Daddy. So Mama pipes in and says, no, we shouldn't do it. She's afraid. We shouldn't do it. But on this particular day, mama wasn't with us. <laughs> I picked Naraya up from school, stopped by the convenience store, got her an Icy. She likes those. And I said, babe, you want to take a ride with daddy? Sure. She's in the back seat in her car seat. You want to take a ride with daddy? Sure. Where are we going? Oh, we're just going to go for a ride. And so it just takes about... 10 minutes to get to the car wash, and I'm pulling in. And she said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, oh, baby, I'm just going to try to get the bugs off the front of the car. You know how they have that little prep station. I said, it's going to be all right. And she says, oh, okay, okay. And I think I had she had an iPad or something like that. She's watching some cartoons on it. So I'm paying attention to her, not paying attention to what I'm doing. And so I go ahead, and I drive through the thing, and I put my card in there, and I pay for it. And we're getting, to, getting ready to drive into the car wash. And she looks up and she begins to freak out, like panic. I said, baby, don't worry about it. I said, this is going to be fun. I said, daddy paid for the expensive one. You're going to be, be able to see the soap with colors, like the purples and the yellows and the blues, and it's going to be amazing. You know, and it took me a minute to convince her, but eventually she, her fear turned to excitement. And so as we are driving through the car wash, I, I didn't open the sunroof, but the little shade that covers it, I opened it so she could actually see the colors. And she starts looking up, and she was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I love it. Look at the colors, and look at this. You know, and I thought that was amazing. But I believe us as believers, sometimes we do the same thing. We allow fear and conformity to keep us from walking in what really is a blessing to us. So Naraya has gotten from a place of being afraid to go to the car wash. Now she wants to go every day. I believe the problem with people is that we tend to conform to the wrong people group. We look at the world and its way of living and its system of being, and we are drawn to those things because on the outside it looks good. But if we would allow ourselves to be conformed to the things of God and the way of God and the way that God's word instructs us to live, we would see the fruit of that in our lives. I'm reminded of the Psalm, Psalm 13, and it's kind of, you know, David, the giant slayer, the bear killer, David, he's kind of having a pity party right here, right? So let me read this to you. Psalm 13, this is in the New King James Version. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and hear me, O Lord. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep, and lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I see something miraculous happen here in verse 5. There's like a complete reformation, a reaffirmation of how he's thinking. And verse 5, he goes on to say, but. See, when everything is going on around you in the world, there's always a but. But not just a but of what else to do, but God. And he goes on to say, but I have trusted in your mercy in spite of my situation, in spite of my circumstance, in spite of what I'm seeing going on in front of me. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Glory to God. So you don't need to take your pity party to God. If you're going through something, just go to God in faith and say, Lord, yes, I may be going through something. Life may be difficult for me, but I know that you are my Father God. You're Abba Father. You're Daddy God. And when I make my petitions known to you, you're faithful to answer. Huh? You created me in your very own image. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I am a child of the Most High God. Hallelujah. As believers, we should just be conforming to the word of God, renewing our mind, and not allowing the world to control everything that we do. And God is so full of grace and so full of mercy that he gave us his Holy Spirit. And when we depend on the Holy Spirit, he will produce that complete reformation in our thinking. Because you no longer rely on your intellect. Come on, how many smart people we have in the room? Your intellect don't get you in heaven. Your intellect don't get blessings to operate in your life. It might get you up the corporate ladder, but that's not what we're talking about because the corporate ladder is not eternal. It's temporary. And it may look good to the world while you're here on earth, but I'm telling you what matters to God is what you do for the kingdom. I can remember a time when... Uh, we were uh, kind of having the what you call it, the wooden fence around our house in our backyard replaced because, you know, over a period of time, the wood just gets rotten. You got to replace it. And so they delivered the wood, and they, they did something that I didn't like. They took, the, they took everything off the truck, and they drove through my yard in this huge forklift. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so there's ruts in my yard all the way from the front to the back of the yard. And I thought... Eh, it'll fill in eventually. Well, it never filled in. But I believe that also, just like those ruts in my yard, we allow the ruts of our thinking to remain the same without doing something about it. Actually, scientific studies show that if you've been thinking a certain way for a certain period of time, it literally causes ruts in your brain. Like when you try to get away from that thought process and you can't just get away from it because you've been believing that way and thinking that way so long that those ruts tills tend to guide your attitude and your thoughts towards things. But there is a God. And when you put the word of God in those ruts, they tend to fade away. It may not happen overnight, huh? but faith didn't happen overnight. Faith is not always instantaneous. But if you trust in the word of God, if you believe in God, he can fill up those ruts and change your way of thinking. Amen. I'm just, just talking to y'all a little bit this morning. I'll put it to you this way. Most people are focused on what's happening to them. Most people are focused on that. But what we should be focused on is what's happening in us. See, because even when you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, nothing changes on the outside. The change happens on the inside. Now, when you remain faithful, because getting saved, confessing Jesus as Lord is just a beginning. But if you remain faithful to be who God has called you to be, then the outside, the thinking, the actions, the motivations... Your ambitions, your desires begin to line up with the perfect will of God for your life. 
in Proverbs chapter 3, I'm sorry, 23 in verse 7, it says a man, who, whoever, whatever he thinks in his heart, that's who he is. Let me read it to you right. I'm trying to quote it. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, you can get bogged down thinking, you know, I'm less than. Somebody else can do this, but God can't do that in my life. You can get bogged down thinking about something maybe your grade school teacher told you that didn't line up with what you thought you should be. And you can carry that for the rest of your life. And you can get bogged down in that, thinking that that defines who you are. But let me tell you something. The world and other people don't define who you are. God defines who you are. You have, you have a supernatural identification with the plan and purpose of God that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in Christ. So if you really want to know who you are, don't necessarily look at your natural heritage. Don't necessarily look at your natural bloodline, but look at the bloodline that flows from the throne of God through Jesus Christ. Listen, you, are, you have the bloodline of a champion. Amen. You have the bloodline of a champion running through your veins. Amen. Glory to God. The success of any man, woman, boy, or girl, can be found in the way that they think. In the way that they think. If you begin to tell yourself that I'm going to be less than, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this, that's too hard. Oh, I might get in trouble for this, but I have to do it. <laughs> Just the other day, um, I think it was Thursday night. <laughs> you know, um, we're trying to pack and get everything together, get the girls together to come here. And, um, and we're in the car, and Jamina's saying, she said, man, it's going to be so hard. Because, you know. I mean, the baby girl, she cooperates. She's just, you know, whatever, she, she's all in. The Nariah, she kind of has her own way of thinking, you know, and she don't always just go when you say go. And so my wife, Jamina, she was like, man, it's going to be hard. And in that moment, I wasn't trying to be rude, but the thing that came to my heart in that moment was, babe, stop saying that. Stop saying that. I understand what we have to do. I understand that it's going to take a lot to get everything together and get the girls together and get in the car and start driving. But when you say it's going to be hard, you condition your mind to respond to that aspect of it. Right? Say that again? Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and most people in the world today think that Success is based on the amount of money that you make. But that's not true. That's not God's idea of success. In fact, I can tell you this, that the guy that works at the corner gas station is a success if that's what he's made his mind up to do and that's what he wants to become, just as the, the, the wisest person in the world or maybe even a president has decided what they do. It's not based on what you think or what the world thinks is success. It's based on what you have determined it God has for your life and pursuing that. And the success doesn't happen when you get there. The success happens when you make up your mind to pursue the dream that you know God has put in your heart. Amen. So here's, uh, here, here, here again, let's look at Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Have you ever noticed that a person who is successful, they usually continue to be successful? I mean, they continue to succeed. I'll put it to you like this. For example, if you, have, if you take a, someone who has become a millionaire, any millionaires in the room? That's an opportunity for you to, yeah, 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 amen. But if you, give it a, if you take a millionaire and he loses his money, most of the time, statistics show that he will find a way to become rich again. But on the flip side of that, yeah, I know y'all have the Texas lottery, don't you? If you take a broke person, right, somebody that's busted, and you make them a millionaire, they usually find a way to become poor again. 
I was watching this documentary a few years ago about those who have won the lottery. And this one guy, he won like $150 million, and he got his payment schedule over 20 years. And at the end of the 20 years, he's dead broke, trying to find somewhere to stay and find somebody to help him. Why is that? Because no matter how much money you have, if your thinking does not change, you'll find yourself right back in the same place that you were delivered from. People with goals are the ones that succeed in life because they know where they're going. I'll put it to you this way. The keys to success and the keys to failure are the exact same thing. We become what we think about. We become what we think about. This is a quote from Waldo Emerson. He says, a man is what he thinks about all day long. Williams James said it like this. He said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can be altered by, can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. Pastor Mark Hankins said this, and I mentioned this yesterday, your attitude determines your altitude. In other words, if you really want to become something, if you truly believe in your heart, the, the things that you are wanting from God and believe them exclusively, exclusively, you will have them. You will have what you believe God for. But the problem is that most of the times when we say that we're standing in faith believing, for, believing God for something, we tend to believe for a hundred other things that that oppose what we say we're believing God for. In other words, if I'm believing God that I want to be debt-free, then I can't stand and believe God that I'm going to go spend $50,000 on the newest truck that comes out or the newest boat. If I'm believing God that I'm going to be healed, then that means that I'm not going to do things that oppose my healing. Because I'm standing in faith believing God for this thing. Now, this is getting good, y'all. In Mark 11, 22 and 24, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith or the God kind of faith. It goes on to say, for surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, if you ever were looking for your name in the Bible, there it is. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you will receive them and you will have them. This is not Brother Greg's word. This is the word of God to you today. When you believe God, when you stand in faith, come on, don't allow the world system, don't allow your upbringing, don't allow where you are today rob you of what God is trying to get you to. And I believe it's, I believe it's right on that, that the word of God uses the illustration of a mountain here because in our thinking, that's huge, Right? But I'm telling you, when you stand in faith and believe God, the mountain can be moved. In fact, it has to because the word of God says so. I like how it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, let the faith of God be in you, having no doubt, believing that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Believe that you receive it. And it will be yours. And it will be yours. In Mark chapter 9, in verse 23, Jesus said, uh, what do you mean if? That's an excuse for a lot of people. If I had this, if I had this, if, if I knew this person, if I went to this school, if I lived in this neighborhood, if I didn't live in Liberty Hill, maybe I lived on, what's that, like, uppity neighborhood in Austin? I can't remember. Yeah, that one. We'll use that one. If I lived in Westlake, or if my mommy or daddy was this or that. No, 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 no. What do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. So you take your if out and you put the if that Jesus says right here, and you believe the word of God. You stand on the word of God. And what you're standing believing for will be made possible, not by you, but by the word of God that you're speaking out of your mouth. 
In fact, if you think in negative terms, that's exactly what you're going to get. But on the other hand, if you think in positive terms, you will achieve positive results. This is a quote from William Shakespeare. He says, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we all might win by fearing to attempt. So for me personally, the Lord has put something on my heart, a business endeavor that I've been kind of standing on for years. But 2022, I feel like I've gotten a release to step forward. And, and really what encouraged me to go ahead and step forward was this. We were having prayer. We, at our church, we, uh, for the staff, we pray Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday morning. And we were having prayer. And one of my brothers on staff, Brother Matt Rocket, he was praying for me. And this may sound weird to you, but this is exactly what he told me. He says, as soon as you take that next step of faith, when your belt buckle touches it, it will destroy all limitations for what God has called you to do and what God has for you. Now, in that moment, I'm like, wow, that's big. So I had to take the time to meditate on that for a while. And then it had to line up with what the Lord had been ministering to my heart. I've been sitting on this too long. It's time. So I just know where that, when, I, when I move forward, God is with me. In fact, not only is he, is he with me, but he's, always, he's already prepared the road for me. John Bernard, John, George Bernard Shaw said this. He says, people are always blaming their circumstances on what they are. Well, I don't believe in such circumstances. The people who get what they want in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances that they want. This is key. And if they don't find them, they make them. If they don't find them, they make them. And when you say, how is that possible for me? Well, if you're a kingdom kid, you have dominion because God has given it to you. Now, if you're a kingdom kid, you know how a king operates, right? If anything, and if he ever wakes up and he sees something that's not favorable to him, he has the authority to speak out of his mouth and change it. Well, how much more you and I, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, how much more authority do you and I have to speak to our circumstances? Yes, I know that when Adam sinned, all dominion was lost, but Jesus came and he died and he rose again and he sent it back to heaven with all power in his hands. Now the same dominion that God intended for us to have in the beginning, we still have it. Start speaking to your situation. Start demanding things to line up with the word of God. Start, just, just, get, just get an attitude of faith and act like the Bible is true. And yeah, you're going to have some people tell you, no, no, that's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. Because I'm not functioning and I'm not operating on a natural realm. It's a supernatural thing that we're doing here. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 9, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures because I, I want you to be able to stand on the word of God. I want you to be able to take the word of God that I'm giving you and stand on it. Right? The word of God never fails. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to nine, through 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap flesh, um, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, sowing is a supernatural law. Re sowing and reaping is a supernatural law. It applies to every situation and everything. And I'm telling you that to say this, that whatever you sow in your mind, it will reproduce an, abundance, an abundant harvest. It's much like a farmer's land. Your mind is. Your mind is fertile soil. It's good ground. But the thing about it is, it'll produce whatever you plant. I mean, I know this is Texas, so we have farms all around here, right? 
For instance, if you take and you plant some deadly poison in the land, guess what's going to happen? It's going to give it right back to you. If you take and you plant some deadly poison in your thought process and in your mind, yeah, it's going to return it right back to you. However, if you plant the word of God, your mind can be renewed. The Bible instructs us to renew our mind daily according to the word of God. And why? Because, you know, people understand, people seem to think, yeah, when I get saved, my thinking automatically changes. No, your mind didn't get saved. Your spirit gets saved. So you have to renew your mind daily according to the word of God. That's why it's important that you read your Bible, study your Bible. Those two things are different. That's, important. That's why it's important that for you to pray, have a prayer life, talk to Jesus. Your mind doesn't care what you sow into it. Absolutely does not care. It can be success or it can be failure. But just like fertile soil, it will return to you the wonderful abundance of whatever you put in it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. This is one of my, one of my, one of my favorite scriptures. In verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You have the authority. And you have to recognize thoughts that are from God, thoughts that are from your flesh, and thoughts that are from the devil. In the, in the Passion Translation, it says, we capture those thoughts like prisoners of war. <laughs> I like that. We capture those thoughts like prisoners of war. Amen. I want to encourage you today and tell you this, that your mind contains riches beyond your wildest dreams. God wants you to be supernaturally blessed in every aspect of your life. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. One translation says, above all that you could ever imagine. Yesterday, Pastor Kim, I think you were saying something about the imagination. Some people think that's weird when it comes to church, but God gave you an imagination. So use it for God. And don't allow the devil to pervert your imagination. Use it for the things of God. And so if you can imagine it, come on, y'all. If you can think of it in your mind, if you can have a vision of it, come on, then God can exceed that imagination. He can make it come to pass in your life. And there'll be a supernatural manifestation of the promise of God for your life. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever believe or think. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 2, I'll give you a little backdrop on this story. This, uh, this is the Apostle Paul. Y'all know who he is, right? And he's standing before King Agrippa. He's before the council. And uh, the apostle Paul, you know, uh, in the beginning of, uh, he, was, he, was, he was slaying Christians. Talk about redemption and talking about a redemption story. And he had an experience with Jesus on the road to, the, to, to Damascus, and his life was totally revolutionized. And he stopped killing Christians, and then he went on a mission to fulfill the will, the plan, and purpose of God for his life. But throughout that process, come on, he was shipwrecked. He was stake-bitten. He was stoned. He was, there was plotting to kill him. He went through so many things, right? But he's standing before the council, standing before the king, and he says, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. Now, it's not, I don't think God put that there just to be a cute little phrase. I believe he put it there to display to us, regardless of what your circumstances may have been, God is on your side. The blood has been applied. Nothing shall be denied. So enter into rest and know that you are blessed. You will get God's best. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 
plant the seed of the word of God in your mind and it will return in abundance. See yourself as walking in the blessings of God and you will certainly have it. Now here's some instruction for you. I want to give you six things. Jot these down real quick. These are six steps that I want to give you to help you realize and walk in the success that God has called you to walk in. Amen. Set yourself a definite goal, number one. Set yourself a definite goal. Number two, quit running yourself down. In other words, quit seeing yourself as less than who God created you to be. Number three, stop thinking of all the reasons why you cannot be successful and instead think of all the reasons why you can. Number four, trace your thinking back to where you first got off track and reform your mind to whom you want to become. I'll read that again. Number four, trace your thinking back to where you first got off track and reform your mind to whom you want to become. Number five, change the image of, that you have of yourself. And number six is big. Begin to act the part of the person you have decided to become. Begin to act the part of the person that you have decided to become. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's the word of God to you. Ask God for what you desire. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find the things that God has planned for you. It will be open to you. I'm closing. But I'm not done giving you the word yet. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, For the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. As it is written, and forever remains, the just and upright shall live by faith. And so I was just spending some alone time with the Lord and he kind of just gave me a little something that I want to close and share with you. And then, Pastor Steve, I'm going to go sit down. And I'll just read it to you just the way that I feel like the Lord gave it to me. He says, God has not called you to be young and restless. He's called you to be bold and beautiful. For you have been wonderfully made in the image of our Father God. You no longer have to go through life being naked and afraid. For God has not given you a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The voice that God has given you will cause the walking dead to live again. Just as Ezekiel prophesied to the valley of dry bones, you can and will speak to the dead areas of your own life, as well as those that God has given you a spirit of influence over, and they shall live again. There's no power on earth to hold you down. The very same power that caused Christ to rise from the dead is alive on the inside of you today. All the American idols put together cannot hinder the plan and purpose that God has for your life. For such a time as this, you have been called. Through Christ, you are more than a conqueror. So run your race and finish your course with joy. For as the world turns, the day of Jesus' return is fast approaching. God is depending on you and I to bring some law and order to this lost and dying world that is being consumed by scandal. You may not be the real housewives of New Jersey, Atlanta, or Orange County, but we are the supernatural bride of Christ. And we the church, praise God, we must stand up now and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only in the words we speak, but in the lives we live. In Jesus' name, glory to God. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. God is your father. He's your daddy God. He owns everything on the planet. The devil didn't have a right anymore to keep you from walking in the blessing that God has for you. If you need healing in your body, healing is yours today. If you need restoration in your marriage, restoration is yours today. If you need a financial breakthrough, there's a financial breakthrough for you today. 
If you're having thoughts of suicide or depression, God wants to restore your mind and cause you to see and know who you are in Christ. You've been wonderfully made in the image of God. You're the masterpiece. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all has become new. Now, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and I know that we know it, but it's a daily thing. You're made new daily. Yesterday, still manna. There's something new for us today. There's something supernatural for us today. See, it's not by happenstance that, or coincidence that you're in the room today. God knew you would be here. God knew I would be here. And what you take away from what has been delivered today can revolutionize your life and change the trajectory in which God has called you to go. church. If you agree with that, somebody shout out amen.